goes right, it's a slice. If it goes left, it's a hook. If it goes straight, it's a miracle. This is Out of Bounds. If it's happening in the world of golf, we're talking about it. Coverage, debate, discussion, pro golf and local golf. Let's do it. This is Out of Bounds. And here are your hosts, Nate Sharman and Josh Durso. Welcome to another episode of the Out of Bounds podcast here on FingerLakes1.com. I'm Nate Sharman, joined by Josh Durso. As always, Josh, you had a great weekend watching golf. A little bit jealous of that. I wasn't able to watch as much as you. Yeah, I watched so much golf. Anyways, did you watch more Live or PGA? Oh, PGA. All right, far. Good because I, I, so it was one of those, it just snuck up on me. It was like late morning, early afternoon. Looking for something on TV. It was before any of the college basketball games started. And I just happened to throw it on Golf Channel. Background noise. They were showing they were showing the the uh, the event, the Valspar. And that just cradled right into my the two o'clock when it came on NBC. Yeah. Um I will say I have some I, I know we didn't really plan for it, but I have some gripes about the way the last hour or so of coverage was again. Yeah, I saw a little bit of it. There was too, one yeah. really, really badly timed. Um, commercial break at the very end that just felt jarring. I would argue that most of them are bad times, but yeah, there were. It was literally on the. It was the last uh, hole yeah. of play. And there, I I thought they would be able to figure it out, but yeah, we'll get to that. Let's let's talk about a little bit more of a firework ending right at the Valspar. Uh, you had you had Taylor Moore get his first career PGA Tour victory, the twenty nine year old, but it wasn't uh, a flare for the dramatic. Taylor Moore finished a couple holes before Adam Shank and uh, Jordan Spieth finished on the eighteenth hole. So Moore got in at ten under. And then, so as the story would hold, uh, Adam Shank sitting on the 18th tee box, he had a 10 under lead, he's a part of the playoff. Jordan Spieth and Diverti, the fourth support pick, also during the playoffs. Uh, neither one of them, spoiler alert, neither one of them would get what they needed until the more would win on that green. So let's let's go through and, and take a look at both these guys and kind of what happened with them. We'll start with uh, the uh, co-leader there before the hole started with Adam Shank. He uh, hooked his drive left. On 18, I uh, didn't hit a, kind of a poor drive, and then he got even a poor, more poor bounce. Um, Ray got right up, rested beside the tree. So as a right-handed golfer, he couldn't hit it. You know, there's no way he would have been able to hit that golf ball towards the hole as a right-handed golf player, the way the ball was sitting on the left side of the tree, the right side of the tree. So he's got two options, Josh, and I kind of want to talk about this a little bit. So he can either take an unplayable lie and hit three and take, I think it's two or three club lengths, so you're kind of in the way the trees are situated, you, you would kind of still be in that tree wooded area. Yep. So you wouldn't have exactly a clear shot. It would definitely be blind. You would have a full swing, however, you'd be able to get to a point where you could swing and you would have to try to get up and down from there, which is very challenging. Yeah. Or you could hit it lefty. So you flip the club over as a right-handed player and swing lefty. So for Adam Shank, his caddy told him that he should hit it, he should take unplayable. His caddy, that's what his caddy said. But he ended up Hitting it lefty, absolutely pure it. You know, he's, he's able to take a, you know, about probably about a three quarter swing left handed yep. and kind of he tries trying to get that ball onto the fairway, but hits it a little bit too far, goes in the rough. And um, he has to hit the third shot from there. So, Josh, what would you do if you were sitting there with, you know, not being able to take a full right handed swing? Would you take unplayable and try to get up and down to force the playoff or, or try to hit it out into the fairway anywhere possible? I think it depends. I think in that scenario, it could be your first win. Um, I, I think you just you you're playing to win. You go for it, right? right. Like you're not gonna, yeah. Um, 
because the unplayable kind of makes it a little more difficult. That's to, a hard up and down. Yeah, Very that, I mean, it's going to be a little more luck involved. Um, that said, you know, to have the confidence to take that left-handed swing. Right, and the, the nerves, too, with, right? Yeah, with that scenario in front of you. Um, and I, I, you know, one of the mics picked up on him saying, you know, I, I absolutely pure that I can't get this through the fairway. I can't get this through the fairway. And he did. Once he do, he absolutely pures it, right. gets it through the fairway. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I think in that scenario, you're playing to win. Mm-hmm. You're not playing, you're not taking the money. I, there, I saw a couple of tweets. I think he wrapped it afterwards. A lot of pros would have just, you know, taken the drop, taking the unplayable and played for the second place money. You kept it moving. Right. Um, I think there's, you know, a bit of logic there, but at the same time, yeah, you want to win. Yeah, that's scenario. You want to force playoff. He, did, he hit it incredibly. I mean, the nerves to hit that shot, right? Because if you, you know, miss the ball, somebody or, <laughs> miss the ball, or hit it five feet, and you're still in the woods, and you're hitting three, still from the woods. So it's yeah. a very challenging shot, and he hit it awesome. So he hits his third shot up, and there's kind of a false front to the green, and it rolls back a little bit, and then he takes his fourth shot, and he takes a putt, hits the flag. It hits the flag, or maybe more so hits the hole, going a lot way too fast and goes over the hole. Taylor Moore is victorious after that. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty much, it, you know, there wasn't, the dramatics pretty much ended on 16, I'd right. say. And um, then Jordan Spieth, he hits his second shot, also has that false front area. Yeah. He gives it a, his third shot a run. You know, it's his was so much closer part. to getting past that, getting past that ridge. It was, so yes. what it was almost I mean, it was, like a great shot. Yeah. I mean, another. It was funny because coming out of the rough, like he, he was, it, he thought it would release a little more. Yeah. And he did And it just kind of like died. And yeah, then it's it a just little fell bit, back. And you like, could see as he's walking up, he's like yes. in disbelief basically that yeah, that's what the ball's rolled back as far as it has. It's kind of like a false, he's kind of hitting over a hill so he can't exactly see it where the ball lands. And you can, and Jordan's so animated too, right? You yeah. don't see that from him. And he's just like, Wow, I can't believe that happened. You know. Yeah, I mean, look to me, like for Jordan, though, the last hole, you know, the 18th wasn't wasn't the issue. The yes, issue was the 16th when he hit that terrible that terrible tee shot. I don't even think like, you know, there's a lot of emphasis afterward put on that putt that he missed, that short putt on 17 after a really great tee shot on that tough par three. Um, you know, like at the end of the day, you just can't flare your drive on the 16th hole right. when you're tied for the lead into oblivion, which is exactly what he did. He did so far right that he never cleared enough land to actually get to drop right. parallel to where the ball wound up. Yeah, he had dropped it. on the, the pre side of the water basically and had an absolute mile into the green. He has to lay up there and it's just, yeah. you know, he made a very good putt to save Bogey there. Right. That was maybe the most impressive putt that he made all, all week because that really, um, he shouldn't have been in it at that point. Yeah, he should have been out of it because of how bad that drive was. Adam Shank made a good run at it to try to make par. It goes a little bit by the hole, about five feet back. He knocks that in. Just to go down to nine under. Jordan Speed sitting at nine under. He takes his putt. He's got about a four footer for par to go T second with Adam Shank and, and misses it. Yeah, I, he doesn't care at that point. Like that's big for Adam Shank though. He gets like oh, it's huge for him. Oh, it's it's absolutely huge. He gets huge. a ton more money, yeah. on four or five hundred thousand dollars more, and yeah. gets another forty or fifty FedEx Cup points. Yeah, which helps him secure his card for next year. Towards me, that's definitely not his momentum for right. Means absolutely doesn't mean as much, but it means a ton for Adam. So I was even thinking when he's coming up, when he's walking, maybe Adam missed. Adam asked him, maybe asked him to uh, miss that putt. (laughs) I mean, he's, you know, you think about how 16, 17, and eighteen went for Jordan, and at that point, you know, 
forget the long. I, I even think he was probably tuned out a bit on that long puck that he had on 18 to, right. to force, you know, to force it. I don't even think there he was really checked in for that. Yeah. After he missed that putt on 17, after he had that awful drive on 16, I, I think he was kind of just mentally like, okay, yeah, we're done here. I mean, he had a good over. second shot. It just like like we said, the false front just kind of yeah, it just ate it up. Yeah, yeah just ate it up. But yeah. all right, let's miss. So Adam Shanker, excuse me, Taylor Moore gets his first first playoff or first PGA Tour win. You know, we talk so much about Shank and Spieth, but. Moore played a great round, you know, shot four under on that Sunday to, to grab a win. Yeah, did what he life changing for him. Yeah, did what he had to do. And you know what? Like, I would say short of having a playoff, which would have been the only uh, more exciting outcome for that event. You know, it wasn't yeah. as dramatic as some of the, the, you know, the last six to eight weeks, which seemed to have just delivered week in and week out on the, on the PGA Tour. It's still an awesome finish. Yeah, it's, it's still a perfectly fine right. finish, and it's a great story for the PGA Tour. They, I swear, these like non-elevated events are working out perfectly. You've yeah, got a couple literally with storylines. Yeah, you've got you've got a couple links. You've got up and coming uh, stars in the PGA Tour, really good players getting wins and contending, and all of this stuff. Like it, it makes for a better break. Continues to make for a better product. Like Taylor Moore four years ago, he had you know health problems, right? Collapse that collapsed long. Because, so yeah, yeah, collapsed lung, and and here he is now. I mean, all of the guys. Um, it was interesting. They, they, I will say, they did a really good job on the broadcast yesterday of telling some of the stories of the guys coming up. Uh, Adam Shanker, another one. Yeah. Um, as as the day was unfolding, they were telling these guys stories. Stories, you know, not of, of Fleetwood, not of the guys that we know, right? Jordan Spieth, but the guys that the, the people who casually watch uh, GH cool. work don't know. So a win there on the broadcast. I know I kind of like complained right. about, you know, poorly timed. Yeah, what was that poorly timed commercial? I want to hear on the last hole. It yeah. was it was literally as Jordan Spieth is walking up to the green. So you've got um, Shank and Spieth both walking up to the most important shot in theory that they're going to hit all day. Yeah, and they it, broadcast literally says we're going to take a quick sixty second break. Did they go to another break after they hit their third shot? Well, Shanks third shot, Jordan Speed's second shot. I, uh, yes, that was the that was the so one. they they sandwiched two they sandwiched two golf shots in between two breaks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just you know, to me, that's the one you know. Save. I don't really. I love watching the guys walk up to the green. That's well, one of my favorite like, things too. There's a million things to talk about right there. Oh it's my not God. like you need to take a like you're trying to fill like dead time during a playoff or something right. like that because you've talked you've built it up so much right. like over and over again. Like you're literally just give me a crowd shot because the crowd loves it when that final group walks up the 18th hole or any, with any group for that matter. You know they're going to give them a raucous applause and, and make sure those guys are. You know, it was ready 130 yard walk. Yeah, <laughs> right. 130 yard walk. It showed it's going to take. It literally took less than 60 seconds, which is why they literally had to take a 60-second break and come back immediately to them hitting their shots. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's... I agree, Doug. Yeah, that's frustrating. As a, you know, as a, especially with the, the amount of competition that was yesterday on television. Right. March Madness. March Madness. Live golf. Live golf. One of the three people watching that. Over in I, Tucson I was in Arizona. I was one of three. One of three. three. Yeah, I, don't, I, you know, I didn't get a chance to watch at the Gallery <laughs> Golf Club. Um, came down to the wire, right? We had a four, we had a four man playoff um, as uh, Carlos Ortiz, Brandon Steele, Louis Usuzin, and your champion, your individual champion, Danny Lee, in a playoff at uh, late on Sunday to try to decide it. Pretty wild. Danny Lee ends up, you know, 
coming out victorious. He drains a putt from off the green on that playoff hole to claim the $4 million individual prize. He had no idea. He was, did you know he was completely shocked? He had no, he had no idea. Uh, first thing he said, that first thing he said in his, in his victory, and I know there was a part of it that you, you didn't like either, but first they shove a mic in his face. And the first thing he said is I didn't even know there was, I, I wasn't even paying attention to the individual part. Yeah, his Ironhead teammates ran out of the green and gave him a big what? hug, and they're they're doing champagne and stuff on the green. Just a hilarious sight to me. It's the it is a a caricature of professional golf. Do you even want to yeah, call it? That? It's, yeah, I mean, just look at the interview after I I pointed out a point that I like. It's like you said, stick the mic in his face, and you know he's got the actually it wasn't it was actually more later interview where he had the trophy in his yeah. hands. And he's and he says in the in I and I quote perfectly of what Danny Lee says. I mean, it was so much fun. Come out and watch us more. That's it. So in his victory speech, well, there was a little that was the second part of his speech, but in his victory speech, he's almost begging people to come out because if you look at the crowd, there's there's not a ton of people, right? So he's he's in his speech where he has his platform to namely you just look at the PGA tour guys, they're thanking everybody in their lives, you know, they're doing all those things that they do after he's begging more people to come on. He hasn't won a golf tournament in eight years. What right. do you expect? <laughs> I mean, it's just, it, it's, God, watching that, because I did watch it. I didn't watch the whole playoff, but I watched the last hole. I watched the 18th, and then I watched uh, two playoff holes, and then I shut it off until the very, very end after I knew it was over. But it's just so, you, you called it cringeworthy, which I think is like, pretty yeah like that's pretty much it but at the same time it's just so forced right everything is so forced it's just you know and the other thing too is you want to talk about pga tour having these awesome storylines where you can get out they have nothing because your guys that are supposed to be your big brand names mm-hmm. are just sucking they're right. bad yeah, I guess the Chambeau yeah. is awful. Like he apparently doesn't know how to play golf. Anymore. I don't think he's. Came, I don't think in all of his events he's came in the top ten yet, and even last year. No. So, you know, taking a look at the Dan Rapport tweet from yesterday um, for Barstool Golf, you take a look at the forty-eight man field. The biggest names were not a factor at all. Dustin Johnson, T thirteen. Patrick Reed, tied eighteen. Cameron Smith, T twenty-four. Kepka, T twenty-four. Answer, T twenty-four. Nicholson, T thirty. Bryson, T forty-four. So DJ Bryson Brooks. Phil, Reed, Abraham Answer, all these guys they spent a ton of money for, zero combined top tens in two events this week. And by the way, coming into the final round, your biggest names that were hanging around the top in the top five, Mark Leishman, Sergio Garcia, Char Fowles, right? But what? Yeah. Like there was this, I saw a tweet yesterday, I, I don't remember who it was, but um, when Charles Fowles hanging around the top, there was a couple of tweets about did Charles Fowles actually right. win his Again. first two events and as a as a live golfer and pull down like eight million dollars in you know a couple of weeks work would be good for my crusher. I also think like the other thing too is um, we've talked a little bit about it off behind behind the scenes here, but the forced social media. Is just oh, yeah. so bad. It's so it's cringeworthy, bad. right? Like mm-hmm. it's more than cringeworthy. I mean, it's just really, really. It's bad. Like yeah. it's straight up bad. When you have guys like Charles Howell, after they win, the next day he posts something on Instagram saying, "Hey, I'm going to be doing more what's in the bag videos and stuff like that. Uh, let me know what you guys want to see more of." And the, you see, the last time you posted something to Instagram was like six months earlier. <laughs> 
and it was like something that clearly his PR team put together and put out. Not him. Like he's a 40 something year old family man. Right. Doesn't give a crap about Instagram or TikTok or any of those things. But your, your Liz managers are saying, oh, hey, you just won. So you have to like go on social media and do this for, for Liz. It's right. just, it's, it is the definition of cringeworthy, gross, crappy. It's not a good product. We had some news come out over the weekend. Actually, a lot of it came out this morning from Alan Shipnuck over at uh, the Fire Pit Collective and put together a piece. And um, it's it's really interesting to see some of the tides changing for Live. You know, we talked about that a, a little bit on this podcast, but let's go into it a little bit more. Kind of some of the highlights from, from Alan's piece. Uh, some players thought that there are going to be 10 tournaments every year. Now they have 14. There's four more Live events than they thought of. That was such a big thing where people said they want to play less, right? Dawson's even quoted saying that. So that's interesting. Team franchises are expected to be up for sale next year, and they could be in the nine-figure range, which uh, isn't really Trump change, in my opinion. And the player winnings from the team component, so like Danny Lee yesterday, his team came in third. I think they won like 125000 each. Yeah. So each, each one of them, each one on our team. So that money doesn't go to Danny Lee, I guess, now. That money goes to the team franchise, which is interesting. Um, some of the Saudi executives that you saw a ton of last year, you know, Phil Mixon was playing with them in the Pro-Ams a little bit and stuff. They've been absent so far this year, which which points signs for sure. Uh, three teams have secured corporate sponsors. Um, we'll see what kind of happens with that. And then uh, finally, all, all expenses are now being highly scrutinized. Liv is no longer playing for travel team expenses. The individual teams pay for that. So we've seen so many videos, especially from, you know, um, Pat Perez last talking year. about last year, the private jets and stuff. And that's appearing that that could go away or, or maybe make it a lot harder. These teams will have to come up with the money themselves. Turns out it's just a real business now. Weird. Weird. This, I mean, this to me continues to set the, it's just setting the table for guys to leave with. Yeah. I, I don't think Liv is going to make it more than two years, honestly, at this point. I, yeah. it, it feels a lot to me like the wheels are just coming off the bus. And that goes back in our conversation. Are they going to let guys come back to the PGA Tour if that does happen? I mean, I know that's so far down the road, but I think they'll have to they'll have to play in. They'll have to find it. They'll have to go through the process. But they said they're banned from the PGA Tour. That's what Commissioner Jay Monahan said. I think that's going to. I think part of what the players are going to look like, like Matt Fitzpatrick has, has been quoted saying that he's going to be really against this. You're going to have a lot of guys that are going to be very mad about that. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's such an abstract decision, too. Like, yes, the decision to ban them in the first place was sort of weird and abstract. And I think it's kind of, yeah. Not yeah. really like, it, you know, was it Jay Monahan just kind of like firing from the hip? Was maybe it something bit. that the, the whole trying to diminish that on? Trying to diminish that league, maybe a little bit. I mean, I think it's something that they say whatever to, assuming these guys are willing to go through the process of playing oh, yeah. low level events to get back into the, the, the limelight again. Right. I, and I think this, again, getting back, focusing on live, this stuff on top of what the live product has clearly become on television, it can't compete with the PGA Tour. No. It cannot compete with the PGA Tour. It will not compete with the PGA Tour. It needs years and years and years and years of development in order to get there. Right. Like probably 10 to 20 years. Yeah. And obviously, they're not going to have the time. They're not going to have the time or energy or money invested into it right now, obviously, to make that happen. So we're just, I think the wheels are just starting to come off the bus and move on. Yeah, we'll see where it goes. I think it's really interesting. 
to think about if PGA Tour players are going to be able to, or not, excuse me, live golf players are going to be able to come back to the PGA Tour. You know, guys are expiring contracts. But we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Um, we've, we've set our opinions on upon what that can go for. So uh, let's take a look at some of the other headlines. We had a couple of amateurs make a cut, huh? Yeah. With awesome. uh, Ludwig. That was awesome. I, that's just cool to see, like, obviously, Bird, Nick, Gabrielick. Yeah, you know, they obviously didn't play too well, especially on Sunday. Um, Aberg finishes five over in the final round. Um, you know, eight over for uh, Gabrielick there. And, you know, I, I think it's just cool. And this is, you know, this goes back to what is cool about these non-elevated events. Um, for all the talk about, like, you know, elevated versus non-elevated just helping the haves or widening the, the gap between the haves and the have-nots, this is also a really cool opportunity for some guys you've never heard of before, maybe right. some amateurs, to qualify, yeah. play, and who knows, compete maybe. I think uh, Ludwig Gayberg has been playing well lately. Yeah. And now that we have two, two making the cut, I think that's history back in, I think they did it in 2020 yeah. at one of the events. So uh, pretty cool to see. And uh, then this story, to me, yeah. this is the one that, like, um, we had some player caddy drama over the weekend uh, between Englishman Matt Wallace, a uh, four-time winner on the DP World Tour, uh, and his caddy, Sam Bernard. Uh, Wallace was in contention during the third round, took a bogey on 17, and decided to follow that up with a flared drive on the 18th hole. His ball winds up on a cart path, and he opts to hit it off the asphalt instead of taking a drop onto the pine straw, which was kind of scrutinized afterward. Wallace caught the path and basically chunked it. Ball winds up 30 yards short, Caddy gives him a kind of like confused look. Obviously, he wanted him to take the drop on pine straw. Uh, and then they're seen going back and forth on the walk up to the green. Wallace appeared to say, shut the blank up uh, to his caddy uh, before kind of storming ahead of him and walking right. ahead. Uh, we learned later that apparently Wallace was, uh, quote, just frustrated with his bogey on 17 and Eric drive on 18 and was further, quote, frustrated at Sam questioning whether he should take a uh, dropped before the second shot, saying it, quote, interfered with his flow, end quote. Um, I have so many thoughts on this. Yeah. Well, it's not the first time we've seen Matt Wallace well, freak out. 2019 BMW. Yeah. With his ex-caddy. Yeah. Ex-caddy. Right. Play better. Like, don't take, like, your, your caddy is there for a reason. Like, that is quite literally what your caddy is there to do. Right. To give you an, and your caddy by simply advising you to take the higher percentage shot is interfering with your flow play better how about how about play better and don't take it out on your caddy yeah i think he just you know hit some bad shots and took it out on him right yeah but i think that's is, where the caddy should do a little bit too is be that oh for that a better term punching bag right because there's so many times where you have to get that out of your body that negative energy kind of out so but I think there's going to be a better way that you should be able to captivate that and release that the problem, instead of being shown on camera. And then this is going to be live forever now on the internet. But well, not only that, but if you do a Google search of Matt Wallace, this past weekend isn't the only right incident that comes up. And he's basically yeah. known for being a hothead mm -hmm. um, who obviously has had more than one caddy in his career. Um, and I will say, um, watching him take a double bogey, I believe it was, Yesterday when he was seven under par and kind of starting to sniff around contention, um, it was nice to see. Loved it. It was interesting too. You know, he's going, you know, shut the f up, right? And he's on the way up on eighteen. He got up and down from about thirty yards out. Yeah, par. <laughs>
yeah, that's an and, added part you know, of the story they, that I think is funny. They, they, they breezed over it afterward. Obviously, like it wasn't, there wasn't that much excitement in the third round. So, and right. I see like threw a reporter at it, reporter chased it down. Yes. You know, after, after the explanation that we talked about just now, you know, they say, well, they, they were seen hugging it out on the green afterward. Same thing happened in yeah. 2019. And he and his last caddy parted ways shortly thereafter. So this is wow. just a guy who can't keep a caddy who obviously, you know, if I never see Matt Wallace's name on a leaderboard again, I won't be unhappy about it. All right. That's, that's a, treat your caddy a with some take. respect. Good Lord. I'm it's okay not that, that hard. Like you're the player play better. How many times do we say that about all kinds of like right. bizarre situations where yes. players will, you know, either be frustrated about course condition or frustrated about this, that, or the other thing. It's your caddy. He's there to help you play better. Don't blame him when you play bad. Some of those uh, Englishmen are a little bit uh, wild in that respect of looking at you, Terrell Hatton. I don't know. But um, yeah, it kind of comes with the territory sometimes. So I've got one that I want to get your take on. Um, Last week, we talked about the whole TaylorMade Stealth 2 Rory McIlroy drama. so we've been seeing some rumblings uh, this past weekend and last week that Rory might be considering a move from TaylorMade. Uh, there were reports last year that his deal was worth like around about $10 million a year. Um, I personally don't think he's looking at leaving TaylorMade. Right. But what do you think about this? I, I think the new payout structure on tour, with there being so much more money involved in these elevated events and there being so many more of these elevated events, I think it's going to change how equipment deals work and how the math works on these equipment deals. Right. Because $10 million, while in the old world, $10 million a year of guaranteed money, wow. sounds like a lot of money, but if you're Rory McIlroy, if you're anybody who's consist, say, consistently in the top 10 or 15 in the world, meaning like the most sought after golfers for these lucrative deals. And he's supposed to work for the tour, so his face is everywhere. Like you can make $10 million either just by playing like marginally well in these elevated events or in a million other ways through different kinds of um, brand deals. Right. So I'm curious, do you think that this is going to, one, do you, do you think there's any possibility of Rory leaving TaylorMade, especially with all the marketing we're seeing now? I don't know how we, I mean, I don't know the intricacies of his contract, but I don't really understand just how Just resigned last year. Yeah, he just extended, right? Just extended, yeah. So I mean, but if you're TaylorMade, that's your that's your main guy. So you're worried. I think I think TaylorMade is more worried than there. I mean, he's been changing his clubs around, you know, a lot lately in the last like year or so, and just trying to find what's right for him. And he's you know he's Rory McIlroy. We talked about so much about how he's not afraid to say anything in a press conference. That's kind of how he how he rolls. So it's going to be interesting to see. Does he say with TaylorMade? I was probably their wedges. Right. That's it's not a complete it's not a full bag deal anymore. It used to be a full bag deal. His extension is not a full bag deal. He went back to both wedges last year. Okay. So I mean, I just don't I mean you might you might know a little bit more about the contract situations than me. How can he get out of that? I, I don't know that it would be a get out scenario. I think it might be like a let's modify this so that you can play what you need to play. Right. Um give you a little more flexibility. Because one of the things that I kept seeing online is like you know, with Colin switching back to an older tailor-made driver, yep. um, there might be some, there might be some piece of this con- the existing contracts that tailor-made has with its athletes that I don't want to say requires them, but 
really, 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 really nicely asked them to play the newest available equipment. Right. And I think if nothing else, I think maybe more flexibility will be built into these things moving forward, given that the math is going to change. Otherwise, I could see a scenario where like, you know, one, you're going to see a lot more free agents, equipment free agents, right? Right. Or you're going to see a, like a lot more money because all of a sudden $10 million is not like, like that's, I mean, for Rory McIlroy, $10 million when he could win three and what is it like two and a half to three and a half million per elevated event that he right. wins when he in theory is one of the three best players on the planet. I mean, he could win $20 million just from, you know, winning a few events. Maybe if you leave feeling me though, we won't have to see that forgiveness commercial every Oh, right. He's so mad. I mean, we're stuck with that the rest of this season. And I don't think it's going to, there were a few comparisons to like, I don't compare this to the Bryson DeChambeau scenario, which was where yeah. he just like continually bad mouth. I don't know. Um, right. It's a little different. This, it, this feels different because it's several guys kind of subtly noting that they aren't crazy about the new equipment. Justin Johnson also doesn't play the newest, yeah, the newest self driver. Well, now he doesn't have to, but I'm I'm, I'm think I think he still does. I, I not, think not it's a just, tailor-made athlete anymore. Right. I, I just think it's that to me. Those are all kind of like signs that you know maybe there's a, a break in the link, so to speak, between the Carbon players. Wood and age. The, yeah, yeah. Between the players and the uh, and the manufacturer. But hey, yeah. see what happens. It's a lot of money. I think that's enough for us for today. So uh, we're going to take a break until next week. We'll be on here next Monday talking about the, the World Golf Dell Technology Championship at, uh, in Texas. So that'll be a lot of fun to watch. Always fun to watch some match play. I'll have some of my picks out on TikTok um, and Instagram as well, some, some different reels and stuff. So check us out there, Out of Bounds Golf Pod on Instagram and TikTok. So uh, remember, whether it's down the middle or out of bounds, keep on swinging. You've been listening to Out of Bounds. If it's coverage, debate, or discussion of pro and local golf, we'll be talking about it. Be sure to visit the website at fingerlakes1.com. Find us on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at Out of Bounds FL1. See you next time on Out of Bounds.